Okay, here we are, and it is day 12 of Reading the Bible in a Year. It's an online Bible reading club. It's Justin, Flow Live Athlete Pastor, and I know how hard it is to daily read the Bible. I know how hard it is to, to deal in texts that are unfamiliar to you. And uh, you've got, in the Bible, you've got documents written over thousands of years there, hundreds and thousands of years uh, between each other. You've got different kinds of literature and genres, and you've just got a lot of questions when you get to the text. Well, I'm here to help you and coach you through it. Uh, this is my job. I'm trained in Reformed Theology. I'm an ordained minister in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, and I'm a fitness trainer. And I love to coach. I love to you know, inspire others. And, and uh, my own health journey led me to get back into the Bible and study it and be blessed through it. And it's, it's been a game changer for me. And I want to share with you a part of fitness, which is reading the Bible every day. That is uh, one of the most important things I do for my own health. And I want you to uh, participate in it. Well, let's get into it. Uh, Genesis 29 and 30 today are our Old Testament texts. And then we're going to look at uh, uh, Matthew chapter 9 as well. We're going to look at Matthew 9 and um, the first half of that chapter. and have three stories in it. But what happened in the last section of Genesis is that Jacob uh, has deceived his brother, stolen his birthright and his blessing, and is now on the run, uh, and his 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 uh, mother has sent him away to her brother over in Haran, uh, which is where she was found originally by the servant of Abraham, and then married uh, the chosen son there, Isaac. And Isaac is is dying, uh, and and now Rebecca has made a way for Jacob not to die, and to further on this promise of the covenant. Well, so Jacob uh, ends up falling in love with a woman named Rachel. Now, Rachel has a sister, though, who's older, and Laban, her father, concocts this scheme to get Jacob to marry both of the women and to work for him for 14 years. You've got to read this. It's like Jerry Springer stuff. It's all kind of dysfunctional. But once once he actually gets married to both after working 14 years to do this, so he can marry the love of his life, Rachel... Um, this swerves and everything is crazy and then you've got the drama of having two wives who are sisters and they kind of hate each other and there's jealousy and envy involved there and Jacob's life is pretty miserable at home but he very much succeeds in industry and he becomes this uh, sheep herder guy who becomes very wealthy and you'll see that he will um, get away uh, from Laban eventually and return back to uh, inevitable confrontation with his brother Esau who he's wronged. Now he's stolen from Esau and you see here you might think in our world you hear things about karma all the time. You know what you do you're going to reap what you sow and there's sort of these impersonal forces that if you wrong somebody then the universe is going to get you. You hear that all the time in just popular culture and I think that's one of the worst things that a Christian can ever listen to uncritically and to adopt those sort of views because that's not what we read about in scripture we believe that there is a personal God who's governing all things and you see here that Jacob receives a little bit of his own medicine because he cheats his brother for his benefit and then his uncle cheats him in this text right so you might think well that's karma that's him getting what he deserves well not exactly. What's happening here is like we mentioned yesterday in 11, is that God is, is cultivating godly character in this guy who used to be a liar. 
This is his man. He's going to develop him in the kind of patriarch, the kind of leader that's going to bless and and further on the the uh, the covenant. And so this is the situation here. What we are experiencing is not in our own bad behavior and wrongdoing. We don't get uh, karma for that, but we get God's fatherly discipline for our good, and it's loving. You know, it's not it's not something that is impersonal but everything we endure that's negative is actually loving and it's actually beautiful and wonderful and so what Jacob had to go through here at the end of the day he will thank God for it it was a horrible horrible time of his life but it made him the man that he is and that how many of us have gone through whether it's you know broken uh, relationships or or uh, you know, job failures, or moral failures, or whatever it is, where where we look at ourselves and we're disappointed, and we and we know we've dishonored God, but we repent, and and we forgive, and we're forgiven, and God builds us up to be stronger than we were before, and that's that's exactly what we are. We we come to God not as not as uh, out of the factory as these saints, but we are uh, forgiven sinners who are very much in progress and we have indwelling sin if you go over to the the new testament passage that we're going to re- look at today it's uh matthew 9 uh, 1 through 17 you see this is a this is one of my favorite ones where these friends can't get in to see jesus so they lower a paralytic guy through the roof he can't get to him so they're gonna they know jesus can heal him so the friends lower the guy through the roof uh, of this uh house where jesus is speaking and Jesus forgives the man's sins. And they're all like, well, look, Jesus, it's the legs. The legs are the problem. And that's why he brought him. And he's like, so, so that you'll believe that I have the most important uh, thing relevant to your life, which is forgiving your sins, I'll heal his legs too. He heals him and says, get up and take your mat and walk. He does that. He heals the guy. Well, Jesus, it says here, he calls Matthew. Um, he, Matthew in this text is a, a guy named uh, Levi. You see there, he's a tax collector. Uh, Matthew is the guy who writes this this gospel. Why do you think he wrote the gospel? Because Jesus changed his life. His name was mud. He was scum among his people. He was a tax collector. These are the worst people in the in the world for these Jews. And and God Jesus sees him on the road and says, Hey, come follow me. He welcomes him in. What Jesus says here is amazing. It says, you know. Uh, the, the, the well have no need of a physician, a doctor, but only those who are sick. Jesus comes for the sick. He comes for the sick hearts, the sick uh, sinners. Um, you know, I hear things in, in campus ministry all the time about, uh, and in church planting all the time about, well, I can't, if I darken the, the, the doors of the church, uh, God would send down lightning bolts. And, and uh, you know, uh, and then people get around me and they get afraid to cuss because I'm an ordained minister. And you think about that. We have this view that we're not worthy of God. Well, none of us are worthy. There are no good Christians and bad Christians. Uh, None of us are worthy. We're all sick. And we all need Christ. And that's what this text is trying to hammer into us. Through uh, It just heightens and heightens and heightens and heightens about how how, how much we need Him. And He says, you know how, how wonderful this is? Is that you're the... Uh, you're going to be married to Christ. Uh, Christ chose of all the people in the world you, uh, and, and let your life be defined. It's a, it calls it. It talks about a fasting question. He, he talks about, hey, look, why would you be fasting? You have the greatest blessing 
in the world right now that you get to be present with the bridegroom. God is called the bridegroom in Isaiah, and Jesus is identified with God. He's God. And guess what? You're with the bridegroom. Think about that. You're a sinner. You're a tax collector. Uh, you're, you're paralyzed. You're, you're a sick, sick sinner. And Jesus could have picked anybody in the world, but he picked you. And he's forming wonderful, godly character into you uh, through all the lives, all, of, all the events of your life. And it's not random. God's personally involved with you, and he's committed to you. He's covenanted to love you forever, like a marriage relationship. He's not going to divorce you. He's not going to leave you behind. That's one thing you can, you can know for sure. That's, you know, when God says he hates divorce, it doesn't mean he doesn't forgive people who get divorced. It means that he hates that, that reality in our world because it doesn't image how he deals with sinners in marriage. He marries them and he never leaves them or forsakes them. That's, why, that's what that means. God is the bridegroom. Christ is our bridegroom and he loves us. Okay, I hope that helps you guys today as you, as you, as you tackle Matthew 9 and then into the 30s of Genesis today. So, so make sure you like this and comment and share it. And, and, and turn on notifications because the more you do that, the more it helps these videos to get recommended views and things like that so that more people can hear the good news. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Peace.